Hey everybody, here we go. It's time once again to have a chat. And um, today's chat's going to be, well, we'll see what you think. It's going to be interesting because it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. Or I could say a ton of feathers because it's still a ton of stuff. But it hit me pretty hard, and that's what we ought to talk about. So here we go. Hey, everybody. Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. How are you? It is another pod. So that means we're sort of forging ahead. I cannot believe the year is more than half over. So it's the 1st of August now, or 1st of August-ish. Um, for this pod to drop and, um, and that's how time works. I mean, I get it. It moves forward. We're not stopping it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we could talk about quantum physics and talk about how time coexists simultaneously shooting an arrow across your eyesight and the arrows in many places at the same time, but we're not going to, because why make our lives more theoretical than they already are? And today's pretty stinking theoretical, no question about it. But the summer's zooming by. It's been a weird summer. I don't know how it is for you guys. I have got almost nothing I wanted to do done. And yet, I don't have any great other accomplishments standing in my way saying, well, here's why nothing got done. I mean, it's just it's just I wake up and I'm like, oh, crap, it's August 5th or whatever. You know, it's just it's time is zooming by. You have to feel the same way. Please tell me you feel the same way. I'm hoping I'm not the only person. Um, that would be incredible if I was the only person. So the joke show's coming together. <laughs> what a ton of work that was. I'll never do that again. You can bet. Um, pretty guaranteed bet on that one. The big news is I think we're going to delay the workshop. And the reason is, is because I'm not sure. Well, the big reason is I'm having a really hard time finding a place to have it. That's not like super creepy or super weird or super aggressive. It all started with, we made arrangements to have it at this place and they had us down for a five day workshop, which is a long workshop and the workshop's not five days. It's four days. And so I said, well, it's only four days. And they said, well, I'm sorry, you can't have four days. I said, but you don't get to be in charge of the workshop. That's our, it's our workshop. You're just the hotel. And they said, no, you can't once you're committed. And I said, but nothing's signed. We're not committed to anything. And they basically said, if you don't take the five days, you don't get anything. And so you know what I did? Here we go. Ready? I called their stinking bluff. I just said, okay, let's let's go. Let's go with that. You want to? And sure enough, when I said four days or, uh, you know, the four days is what we originally scheduled. So I didn't feel like I was standing out on the edge. I wasn't sort of, you know, defying the world in the spirit of truth. I was just telling them, this is, it's our conference. Here's how long it is. And they basically said, pound sand. And so you know what? We're going to pound sand, which means they don't get our money. Ha, 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 ha. And uh, we'll just reschedule. Plus, I think it was too early. But it was a ton of interest. I mean, I felt like a ton of people wanted to go. So don't be too disappointed. It's coming up. We'll move it um, to a cooler time. And by that, I mean... Uh, it'll be cooler for uh, those of us in New Mexico, cooler. But it, it'll also work out fine, and we'll get it worked out, I promise. Nothing personal. I'd love to have you. It would be so much fun. The interest w- was great, but, eh, you know, that's how things go. You got to live and you got to love at the same time. So that's where we're on now. And other than that, um, what else do I have to say? Uh, geez, I don't know. Just super busy and trying to make things happen as effectively as I possibly can. Um, and I guess that's going well. Lots of little fires in the, uh, irons in the fire. 
So that's good. I mean, I, and and look for stuff to come out. I think there's going to be a new Project X, although I'm not sure, but it sounds like that's coming. So we'll we'll see if we can live through the last Project X. But other than that, that that's the news. How's it going with you guys? It's um, such an interesting time to work with organizations because employment is so different. I, I don't know what it's like where you are, but the organizations I'm working with really around the globe are all in this kind of deep, profound realization that the employment environment has changed dramatically. And that's had some impacts. I mean, it's hard to find people. It's really hard to find experienced people. It's super hard to find qualified experienced people. I mean, this is hard to do. And the workers that are coming in are really identifying with the work much differently than we traditionally have thought they, they would identify with the work. So it's, it's a more temporary thing. They don't see the work as a long-term um, uh, uh, plan, a st- strategy. It's a short-term strategy. And the idea that people are more interested in quality of life issues um, it has really changed the way people think about work, which sort of leads us to today's podcast. Because I, I learned a really big lesson, and I want to talk about that lesson as we progress through the pod. So without much further ado, let's get started, because today I want to talk about change. So it goes without saying, so therefore I'll say it, because that's how it works when you say it goes without saying is you're going to say it, um, that what we do for a living to a great extent is manage change. That's always been true, uh, certainly in the safety arena. Uh, And so that's a part of it. And change is really interesting. And there's lots and lots and lots of places to go to think about and learn about and understand and model and cartoon and build little figures and diagrams and all sorts of things to talk about change. Ultimately, though, change is really interesting. And I'm going to give you a couple models that I think of a lot when I think about change management strategies. And they're both pretty simple and I would suggest they kind of build upon one another. Um, that's probably a pretty good way to do that. The first model are really the stages of change. And if you think about Kubler-Ross, the stages of death, which you've probably heard of. We're not going to talk about that because that seems depressing. But the stages of change are kind of within that same bailiwick. And, and they're pretty interesting. So when change happens, the organization starts out in shock, then moves to anger, then moves to acceptance, then moves to commitment. Now, that's going to be important because this isn't how you facilitate change. This is what happens when change takes place. And it's very interesting because change that people have a part of, change that people have a say in, they're actually quite good at facilitating and creating change in an organization. So if my voice is heard and I'm engaged, then I'll be a part of creating change. Change that happens to you that rolls down on top of you, you've been a part of that a bunch in your career, those changes are much harder to diffuse and they're much harder to sustain successfully for a long time. So it goes without saying that how workers are engaged, let me take that back, how people who are also inclusive of workers, how people who are engaged in change are engaged makes a huge difference. So how we respond matters. That's one of the principles we talk about all the time. And that engagement component is really valuable. But let's talk first about what happens when change happens to your organization. Kind of like the employment situation that's happening now. I mean, this is definitely something you hear people talk about. Leaders talk about it. Managers talk about it. Executives talk about it. HR people talk about it. And safety people talk about it. And that is that the world has just become a different place. 
So that's what's so interesting about the recent uncertainty, the pandemic, et cetera, that we've gone through, is that it's created really a giant shift in some of the ways work is being done. And so it's probably changed forever the way people come into the workplace. I mean, that's probably changed. Probably you're going to see more 410-like shifts or Friday off shifts or Friday optional shifts or whatever people want to call them. But all those things are pretty normal. And that's really a function of what's happened, of the uncertainty. And so, of course, initially our response is to be shocked by it. And the reason that shock happens is because it's actually knocking us off of our paradigm, out of our traditional view. So the shock around finding new workers is, in fact, just that. It's shocking because that didn't used to be that big. It was always a challenge. I mean, it was always a big part of the problem, but we could grow our own or we could create or we could recruit or we could offer bonuses. There were ways we could bring people in. And what's weird is now even those things aren't really functioning very effectively. So that shock happens, and that initially what it does is it snaps the paradigm. And then what happens next is the the anger part. And so something happened. It shocked us. The world is no longer the same place. And now it kind of pisses us off. That's the anger part of it. And that's pretty normal. I mean, that's going to be a part of any kind of significant change that happens to the organization. Is there's going to be a period of realization that the world's a different place. And then there's a period of realization of how do we feel about the world being a different place. And that initial anger, which probably makes sense, actually has potential to be negative because it's anger, but it also has a lot of potential to actually facilitate and create what the change people call a burning platform. So let's, let's focus that anger. Let's focus that negative energy towards facilitating something better from it. So you can either blame and punish or learn and improve. We talk about this all the time. This is that deliberate attempt to move that change management towards improvement. Now, the crazy thing about that is that that actually becomes the third step. So we have shock is step one, anger is step two. The third step is this idea of acceptance. So that's just basically saying this is the reality we have ahead of us. This is what's taken place. And because this has happened, because the world has changed and it sort of freaked us out, we have to accept the fact that these are the new rules for how the world operates. So, and rules is probably a poorly ch- chosen word. The, this is the new reality, maybe. And, and so we have to embrace this new reality because we really have two choices. You can either light a candle and make it better or curse the darkness. And one definitely does not equate the other. One doesn't create improvement. And then finally, last but not least, people create a sense of commitment. So, but that happens last, right? And it happens after there's been the shock, the anger, the acceptance, and the commitment. That's a big part of what happens. Now, where that takes us is to some kind of strategy to move forward. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Because there are really five steps to change management. And and they're pretty simple. Step one is you prepare the organization for change. So change happens the moment the organization perceives it's going to happen. And so you're constantly prepping the organization to handle change. And one of the things you can do is tell people how good they are managing change. If you're a safety professional, you're a really good change manager. You just don't know it, but you're really, really good at it. So step one is prep the organization for change. Step two is create a vision and a plan for that change. So make some strategies. So we know changes are coming, and here's our plan for what we're going to do about it. Then step three is actually implement that strategy, right? Apply it, use it in a tactical way. 
Step four is embed changes within the company and embed them within the culture, within the practices, within the rules and regulations, within the context of the organization. And then step five is review progress and analyze results. So it's a basic kind of Baconian change management. It's like the scientific method, but it's around change management. All these models work great. There's no question about them. And what they help you do is understand sort of the process that's about to happen before it happens. So you can actually create some strategies around what's about to take place. Except that, and the reason we're having this conversation this summer podcast, is I think there's one huge component missing from all these dumb models. And there are a ton of them. Even the one shock, anger, acceptance, commitment, even that one's got... And that is that change demands persistence. So let me say that again, because I think that's the part that's gone, is you can have the best strategy, the best tactics, you can have the best plan, the best engagement, but you're going to have to ride this pony all the way to the end. And that means you have to be persistent. You have to stay on board. Change is hard, and organizations will ebb and flow. They'll move forward and they'll move backward. That's super normal. That happens all the time. That's not even weird. That's the way it works. The key is, is you have to gird your loins, whatever that means. I'm not sure I know what that means, but it's a phrase that people use. And gird the organization's loins, which that's even creepier, right? In order to be persistently engaged in ensuring this change happens, even during the ebbs and flows. So you know this, right? Every organization will move forward and move backwards. That's how it works. And you know that every organization makes progress and then loses progress, that backslides. That's all normal. Don't think of that as an organizational flaw. Think of that as a hazard. That's a part of your job. That's like a sharp object or a dropped object. That's a hazard, right? And because that's a hazard, what you want to do is strategically understand that there will be periods of great success followed by periods of weird loss. And that ultimately what matters is not the success or the loss. What matters is the persistence towards moving to the new understanding. You have to stay strong. As Tugboat Ted would say, and this is a phrase he says, when a thunder claps, the horse always runs back to the barn. Well, Tugboat Ted, you are correct, brother. In your kind of folksy Missourian way, your steamboat captain way, you're correct that when thunder claps, the organization is going to reflectively move back towards the old way. And that's normal. The key is, is have you built enough persistence in you, your staff, your people, and in your organization's leadership to understand that when that happens, we recognize it happened, and then we move back on the plan towards improvement. But to do that, the only way we can make it happen is through persistence. We have to persist. We have to create an environment where we continually are moving forward with persistence. And the crazy thing to me, and I guess it is just a little crazy, is that that's the part that's missing from all these models. So the change theory stuff's great. I, I mean, I, I have very few complaints with it, except for one giant one. And that is that it talks about change as if once you turn the faucet on, it's happened. And here's what we know. That's not how change happens. Once you turn the faucet on, there will be periods of time where the hose gets a kink in it. Or the water pressure reduces or increases. 
And you're going to have to monitor that hose to ensure, at least for a sufficient amount of time, that that change has kind of built its way into the culture for the long haul. And it will. I mean, it, there's no question it will. Because anytime significant change comes up against a significant culture, the culture is always going to be the more powerful force. And so you're not going to change a culture by asking a culture to change. You're going to change a culture by changing the organization. And the only way you can change the organization is by being persistent, by assuring that you're working hard to make that change happen. That's the conversation I wanted to have with you today. It's short and sweet for sure, but that's the part that's missing from all these equations. So that's the pod. That was it. I mean, that was the whole conversation. It's a shorty for sure. But I'm fine with that because it's summer and I'm busy doing nothing, clearly getting nothing done. I told you that earlier. But I did want to talk about this because to me, and those of you that are in the academic side of this and doing research and work on this, that is kind of an unpublished problem. That the persistence to continue through thick and thin, through fat and skinny, through good and bad, in order to allow change to be successful, that persistence is missing. You can really see organizations that are persistent because change happens in those organizations quite effectively. Not because they have a better plan or a better strategy, um, they wish, but because they're so persistent and so committed to what they do. And that's a big part of it. That's a huge part of how change happens. I hope you're having a good summer and uh, continue to have a good summer. That's my uh, regulation for you. That's the rule. That's one of the life-saving rules. You must have fun. Until then, learn something. Oh, thanks for listening, too. And tell your friends. There's tons of people listening, so it's kind of an interesting time to be alive. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. And for goodness sakes, be safe. (music) 